Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. Ryan Hassan here, joined by Nick Sutherland again. Nico, how are you, mate? Uh, no, leave it. Leave it. It's all good. People um, hearing your fucking cough straight off the uh, bat. What? Am I not allowed to cough? Is coughing sacrosanct? Is it? Have you got corona? No, I don't have corona. <laughs> I just had a tickle in my throat. And that's, a, that's a good thing to start off with, I think. I just came out of a session with a client with this morning yeah. and we we're talking about the 10 80 10 rule. Have, have, you, have I spoken to you about that one? Uh, 10, 80, 10. Fill me in. I, I feel like it'll come to me as you're explaining it. So, so it's a rule that you can apply to any situation. So um, imagine you lived 100 years. 10% of your life would be suffering. 10% would be just utopia and everything would go your way. And 80% would be just there and thereabouts. It'd just be your day-to-day normal living. And what I'm seeing in a lot of people is that they have an aversion to when things go wrong or when things aren't happening as the way they'd like to. So, um, you know, when you said, oh, you're coughing, I'm starting again. It's like, no, well, let's live in the reality of what is the spectrum that there's an ebb and a flow to everything. Sometimes it's perfect and, and sometimes it's shit and they'll cough. And it's, it's, it's all part and parcel. And if we, you know, go back to Buddhist philosophy, if we have an attachment to a craving that should always be perfect, that links being back to that... Um, you know, we're, we're devoid of something, we're, we're, we're missing something, we're craving, I need, I need. But then if we have an attachment to an aversion of it being wrong or fucked or whatever, then we're also going to start using those cognitive distortions and then we're going to enter more suffering and just compound and compound it. So it's, it's amazing how it's popping up so much. It might be COVID, but some examples I was talking about. So if I apply to me as a therapist, 10% of my sessions, I'll come home and I'll go grab the champagne. I'm the fucking, I am the greatest. I cover me in champagne and glory and I am amazing. 10% of the time I'll come home and go, that's it. I fucking quit. I'm shutting down the business. I was terrible today. And 80% of the time I'll be there and thereabouts. I'll be doing a pretty good job and everyone will go, thanks, Nick. That was great. So, and if you look on YouTube, there's always, you look at the thumbs up and the thumbs down, even if the Dalai Lama just sat there radiating love, there would still be a couple of thumbs down. Yep. Yep. So, I don't know, the, the, the basis of it all is we've got to live in the totality of everything. Don't just want the good, don't want the nice sunny days. You know, when you wake up and the weather is raining, just put on a jacket and go about your business. It's just, it's part and parcel of what is. It is. I don't think we've ever done a perfect show, by the way, Nick. I mean, we have started a show with you calling me a cock-juggling thunder cunt. So yeah, that happens. <laughs> that happened, didn't it? <laughs> today, today, listeners, we are doing a recap of uh, we've done 40, this must be 44 or 45, I think, today, uh, episode number. So we thought we'd do a bit of a trip down memory lane and just see what some of the common uh, themes are that were coming up. But that's the first memory that's popped up, you calling me that, uh, <laughs> 10 episodes so, ago. Uh, I've got a video. We're holding hands and we're skipping down memory lane, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we're, uh, we're skipping. We're, we're going from, you know, uh, me being on, on Coast of Mui, Nick down there about to, you know, move into a new house on the Mornington Peninsula. And we're skipping all the way back to my old office in Cheltenham where it all mm. began. Um, we, should, we should have had ramen today. Yes, yes, a little bit early for ramen over here, but I would have okay. found it somewhere. Yeah, shout out to our um, our sponsors, Ajison Ramen. Ajison Ramen at Southland Shopping Centre. They never knew they were a sponsor, but they didn't need no. to at the end of the day. I think that was a good relationship that we had. <laughs> it was a very independent relationship. <laughs> it was. They were just serving ramen and we paid for it and we kept shouting them out. <laughs> Not really how a, a business sponsorship works, but that's okay. Yeah, that was a beautiful. I mean, it's all been beautiful. But yeah, I, I wanted to go down memory lane today just to reminisce and uh, just to to take stock of what we've actually done and what we've achieved and and you know the evolution of it because it all started as the men of metanoia. But you could turn into a geezer every time you try saying it. Oh, that's my first dot point that we started off as men of metanoia. And I can say it, metanoia. Like I, 
I don't know why, but the first two or three episodes, I would go, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Men of Metanoia. And then you'd laugh at it. And I remember after like, it was episode two or three, we finished and I'm like, Nick, we need to change the name of this fucking show because I can't say it. And then you're, and we're like, what are we going to change it to? And you, I don't know where you quite calmly said, what about woke blokes? And I was, I was looking to interject and find something wrong with it. And I'm like, no, that's funny. Let's do that. <laughs> and we, we, the, the whole purpose of the woke blokes title was just to completely take the mickey out of ourselves and uh, this concept of it's all woke, woke as fuck, everything is, you know. But uh, uh, I think people are coming into this, into this into contact with the, the philosophy of becoming enlightened and, and becoming more aware and, and more observant of things. And, and you know, that it, I said to a client this morning, I, I, love it, I love hearing when clients come in and their eyes have opened and they can see all the suffering within themselves and just observe it. But then they can see all the distortions and disturbances in people around them. And they come in they're like, Nick, I don't know if you know this, but it's everywhere. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's, it's everywhere. How do we stop it? It's a pandemic. I'm like, ah, it's just life. It's just the world. It's, it's like, yeah, they've, they've taken the, I can't remember if it was the blue or red one, which goes down the rabbit hole, but they've taken the blue pill and, <laughs> um, and they're like, I can see, I can see the matrix everywhere. And you're like, yeah, that's what, that's what life is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, let's start off. I've got a, we, we've got a, rev, uh, another review, which I'm going to read out from uh, Geordie NZ. I take that is from New Zealand. Uh, absolute legends. I've enjoyed all of your podcasts and sharing them with mates. I love that. Sharing them with mates. Bang. Mm-hmm. I love that. Sharing the love. Mm-hmm. It's been awesome to observe their outlooks changing and mm-hmm. our conversation for that matter, all as a result of listening to you blokes chat. Thank you from a group of guys listening from across the ditch. Chur. Is that, is that a New Zealand-like yeah, cheers? Sure, bro. But you'd have to say, listening from across the Dutch. Oh, across the Dutch. Across the Dutch. Yeah. And uh, that, sure, thanks bro. for that. Sure. Thanks for that, Geordie. That's fantastic. They, I love they that. Think it's a, they think it's a choice podcast, bro. So, choice, bro. Sure, cuz. Yeah, love that. And you got a message this week as well. Someone yeah. having a bit of a <laughs> laugh at us, which we yeah, love. One of my clients is... Um, said thanks mate just finished listening to your podcast with Deb I was in stitches at the end and I was like hmm I'll have to listen back and see what we were talking about and he said one word phallus <laughs> I, I, I do remember that I remember she pulled a card she was doing my reading and she goes and if you notice this it was uh, the wand wasn't it and the she wand, said it's, yeah. it's quite phallic in nature and then we were talking about how <laughs> us men have been led by that for many a thousand years mm, mm. <laughs> yes it's happening um and so way back when we also started doing the idioms we had no idea what they were for the first 25 or 30 episodes why did we start doing them because I'd heard something and I, I asked you at the very start of it and then it just I kept hearing these things and kept asking you what they meant and then I just started really enjoying trying to make up who was the first person, where it was, where, what, what year it was set in and it just sort of went from there. So Just these silly sayings. Silly, and then silly we've, and we've thrown the guests under the bus a few times with them. Which is... <laughs> but they're from with it, to their credit, they're from with it. So they're from with it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Before we get to today's idiom... Um, I feel like I haven't showed it to you in a while, Nick. You had my missus on the show last week and, you know, yes. we've had guests Spent some on. quality and... time with your missus last week. It Bonk. did have quality time. Bonk. She was very happy afterwards. Mm. Um, <laughs> as, they, as they tend to be. As they tend to be. Um, so uh, a few things happened. And for me, I have – I stopped caffeine, Nick. Not just you, off you, coffee. You but stopped, all... you stopped the, the making of caffeine in the whole world? Or... No, oh, that would be – that's the most used drug in society. I wouldn't be mm. stopping that production. So, no, I just stopped myself. Um, Melissa stopped, you know, a little bit ago. She was just – she's very sensitive to caffeine. So Why she is caffeine have... a drug? It's psychoactive. Right, okay. Yeah, um, I mean, it, 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 it just depends how you want to use that term. But at the end of the day, it's, it's psychoactive, so it's, it's a drug. It's – Okay, and it's it's caffeine's in tea, so is tea a drug? Yes, caffeine. It like a very mild one, but yes. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm digressing quickly here. Is there a difference between addiction and habit? Uh, yeah. Okay. Of course. Yeah, addiction. Right. So addiction, uh, 
any behavior, so it doesn't have to be a drug, doesn't have to be alcohol, just any behavior that I find instant relief in, I find craving to do. And despite it having negative consequences in other areas of my life, I am unable to stop. Yep. That's that's of all the years. That's the best definition that that I have had. It sort of covers all bases. Because you know, I I would um you know crave to have a coffee, and I would you know love it. But it's like it's not having uh, negative consequences in my life. So you wouldn't even though coffee is something most people have every day, you wouldn't call it addiction unless you're like smashing you know eight coffees a day, and your nervous system's like this um, a lot of the time. So, <laughs> um, that that being said, <laughs> that being said, I stopped and I had headaches for like a week. I hear that. I hear that very often from people who stop having coffee. Yeah, it's it's because well, what it is, it's a. I've got to get this the right way around. So it's a vasoconstrictor, which means that the vessels in your brain just constrict and get smaller when you have coffee. And so mm. when you stop, you get vasodilation. So they open mm. right up, and so that's what causes the headaches. And I had it's flowing. It's all flowing. Yeah, so it's been really interesting. The first day was a, just a horrible headache. And after that, it was just sort of a nagging one only in the afternoon. But it happened for seven days um, when I was yeah, coming right. off. So today's and, day, and... day like, I don't know, 11 or 12 or something, nearly two weeks. Okay. Uh, and is that one of those things where we talk about test your relationship with something yes. by going without it? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, that, so that, you're that... not doing it under a sense of I have to and it's not a – you know, the parameters aren't really tight. It's a, it's a personal empowering choice that you're making. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm just going to stop drinking it. And I'm like, I'll just stop for a month. And then I, at a month, I'll I'll drink it again or I won't. And I'll keep going. And there's no sort of... Reassess. Um, yeah, reassess. So it's good. To, it's good also, I think, uh, with the relationship, but also physiologically, just to reset the, the, the adenosine receptors is what caffeine mm. binds to so it's good to mm. just give your body a bit of a detox from these things from time to time so mm-hmm. um yeah that's been interesting and uh, i also started at muay thai on uh on tuesday really yeah yeah i've been yeah, doing work i've been I, I loved it i loved it so i'm doing i'm going to be doing one-on-ones and doing two sessions a week uh for a little bit and yeah. um yeah i loved it i was i've been doing sessions this isn't muay thai but uh, with a, uh, what would you call a healer coach, whatever as, as a client though, doing a bit of work on myself, mm-hmm. shout out to Leonora. She's amazing. And, um, one of the things that was coming up for me is, uh, more water activities. Yeah. Cause I'm very fire, 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 you know, with, with my life. And funnily enough, martial arts are very much a water activity, even though they seem like they're very fire. They are a water no, uh, activity. So water. Bruce yeah. Lee be the water. Exactly, exactly. So I'm like, I'm in Thailand. Let's 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 get going with the Muay Thai. So yeah, jumped into it Tuesday, and um, I was ratchet by the end, mate. I was an actor. <laughs> like, yeah, I got, what's, the, what's the humidity out there over the minute? I, I don't know. I don't really look at the the weather because it's kind of the same every day. But it would be would be pretty high. Yeah, yeah pretty pretty high. So saps you, doesn't it? Saps it, the it does. Like I get there, and he's like, oh, because like there's a big open area of mats. Yeah, <clears throat> and he's like, you know, just just jog around for five or ten minutes. We'll get you warmed up. And I'm like, man, I'm, I haven't cooled down for seven <laughs> oh, months since I've been here. <laughs> I just I've walked here. I'm good to go, man. I'm good. I'm good to go. Um, so yeah, lots of fun. Lots of fun. It was interesting because I used to do some boxing. Um, I'm talking like over 15 years ago, probably like 16 or 17 years ago. I used to love it. And it's like funny, like even though I haven't done boxing in that amount of time, all those old neurological pathways started to fire because um, yeah. we started hitting the pads and Muay Thai, very front-on stance and boxing's more side-on stance. And I'd notice every time I'd throw a punch or kick, I'd always go back to this kind of boxing stance. So, no, 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 Muay Thai, Muay Thai, come on, come on. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to the future ones. But yeah, by the end, I was, yeah, I was, I was. Nasty. How's the body the next day? Uh, the next day, cause that night we, we went out for dinner and I went to like, get up and take Tommy to the playground. I'm like, Oh, geez, shit. right. Cause I've, I've never really thrown kicks in my life. You know, it's funny. The guy, he's a lovely bloke. The Muay Thai guy is, Oh, you're throwing kicks. I'm like, no, nah, I don't throw kicks. He goes, you know, what about when you, you know, out, you know, street fight and that kind of thing. I'm like, mate, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Come on. Know what you're up to. When so you're was- at street fighting. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, they're just just in there, especially the hips was was the main one throwing those kicks because I'm not yeah. the most flexible man, which is something I need to work on. Okay, all right, all right. So I'm just getting a Jean Claude Van Damme image in my mind of when he was doing the splits, the on those the, top two the, chair things. Or yeah, whatever. the coconut, the coconuts in the over the rope in the trees and pulling them down. <laughs> That'll be me, mate. So, no, so a few, few changes. Been good. Yeah, back in the gym, doing more tie off the caffeine. And, um, yeah, it's been good. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. a bit of a... Yeah, bit of Mrs. A... M, she's, uh, she's doing a bit of a gut cleanse at the moment. So, off the caffeine, off the gluten, off the a few other bits and pieces. Um, just for two weeks, just to flush the system out a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, gluten's a funny one. You know, my friend, who, who we're going to get on the show, actually, Holly Sinclair, um, she's just a encyclopedia of gut health she blood work and all that kind of stuff and um yeah she she gluten she's always posting studies around gluten and everything and I'm, it's so hard to stay away from i stay away from it for the most part but it is a very very hard thing to um you know stay away from because it's in like everything that, that has wheat you know has gluten yeah, yeah. so um it is a tough one but yeah some of the stuff says that stuff can stay in your system for up to six months uh, especially for yeah, someone right. like me with a history of gut issues and that kind of thing yeah. so yeah i always always think of her when i'm like biting into a burger or something i'm like oh it's just one burger it's okay <laughs> <laughs> there's a justification it's okay it's a justification yeah just once okay. just, one. just once i uh i watched the new david Attenborough doco last night oh okay yeah i haven't watched it but i've heard heard a bit about it what's he saying that we're all fucked Ooh. Ooh. oh i was so sad i was you know, especially as an empath, I just it showed some footage of some stuff, and I was like, "Oh, it hurt, it hurt deeply." Um, but because he's so brilliant, he's ninety-three, man. Like, it's yeah. just oh. um, that's someone who's really found their mission and purpose. Yeah, that's, oh. that's why people like oh, I can't wait till retirement. I'm like, I'm never going to fucking retire. No, I want to be like that. I want to be ninety-three and still trying to, you know, help yeah. people see the world differently. I can't imagine retiring. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was his statement, his witness statement, he calls it. And, and he's been alive in, in the most extraordinary, one of the most extraordinary periods of, of our planet. I love it how he calls it our planet. It's not the planet, mm -hmm. it's our planet. I've really noticed that. Um, but in wonderful David Attenborough style, you know, it was all, this is what we're doing. And he wasn't pointing the finger at anyone really. And then he said, but this is what we can start doing differently. And he just brought to the surface all these things, all these changes we can make. And, um, yeah, very powerful, very moving. And, <laughs> you know, he's talking about the oceans. He's talking about the the land and the air and everything. And, and Em and I are sitting there and we're like, fuck, we're not going to be able to eat anything. We can't fish. We can't farm. We can't do anything. <laughs> what are we going to do? And, yeah, it was incredible, incredible. So, yeah, no, I'll have to, uh, have to give it a watch. Yeah, that one and uh, my octopus teacher were the, were the two yeah. that I've really liked lately. So, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got that sense when I read the book *Sapiens*, which was a, a brief history of humankind by Yova Yo, uh, Novel Harari. Anyway, great book, really, really good book. But yeah, he's just talking about the what humans have done since we you know evolved into this human form and migrated to different parts of the earth. And it's like every everywhere we've migrated to, we've pretty much eradicated ninety percent of the animals on that continent. Mate, we we are a blight on the planet. And it, and what he said, what it comes down to is that we have we've gotten loose. Yeah. yeah. So the rest of nature is gotten in, loose. We have the rest of nature is in proportion. It's in perspective. There's the the amounts of certain creatures are caps because there's this biodiversity and it's all it's all in balance. And humans have just gotten loose, and our population has gone from I think it was two point three billion when David was born to seven point eight billion now, mm. and it's just unsustainable. And I was chatting with a client about it and. Um, oh, a few clients and friends are going through IVF treatment. I'm like, well, it's amazing. It's amazing how we're people who naturally wouldn't have given birth are finding ways to to procreate and to give birth. Um, it's such a touchy subject. 
because it's really like because because you either you look at something on an individual level or as a collective level, and you kind of get mm. different answers for those. Because mm. like you know, I've a good mate of mine, and they couldn't give birth. And they went through five rounds of IVF and finally had a child, and they're amazing parents, and they've got a great family, and I love that they were able to have kids. But then from a collective thing, you're like, yeah, should have yeah. that happened. It's the same thing with you know someone you know, gets diabetes and they have access to insulin for the rest of their life. It's like, if they didn't have access to insulin, they would end up dying. And it's like, well, uh, and people with cancer, like we're, we're stretching out their life an extra 50 years. And it's like, from a collective point of view, this is just seeing the population grow and grow and grow. Yeah. So the, the, the reality is, there's just too many of us. We're not, we're living longer. Yeah. We're not, not enough of us are dying, you know, with all the um, diseases, we keep getting cures like COVID. Is basically, you know, the, the land needs bushfires to go through and cleanse it and to get rid of all the dead wood and it comes back, you know, bigger, brighter, stronger. Disease is like a bushfire for humanity, but we keep not letting ourselves burn. We don't let it sweep through us. We all get, oh, no, it shouldn't be happening. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And it's, that's a really interesting f discussion to have a, f a beer or two over. It is, it is, because it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's like I, you just let COVID, kind of in Sweden, Sweden had this massive amounts of COVID. They didn't do lockdown and now they've got nothing. It's like pretty much over because they didn't do the lockdown. But in that period, a lot of people died. Mm -hmm. and, it's like, and then people say that's a bad thing. And it's like, if you're looking at the collective level, is that like a bushfire? But then it's like, well, okay, well, what if my mum gets COVID and she's going to die? I'm like, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so this it's is where it's very conflicting. It's easy to say it when it's objective, but when it's personal, yeah. it, it, ticks, it tickles a few different nerves. Yeah. And, and do, did he have any solutions for population? Because I heard a while ago, I listened to a podcast, it's quite a while ago now, but it's always stuck in my mind. And this guy was a, an expert on, um, you know, this, this population issue that's going on. And one of his theories was he said he predicts that right now, we will cap at between nine and 10 billion. And then that number will naturally start to come down. And the reason for that was the education of females, particularly in third world countries around contraception, because a lot of these places like Africa and that kind of thing, there's just contraception is just not really a thing. So it's like, we just keep pumping out more and more people. So the education of females around that is going to be uh, what starts to bring, plateau the number and eventually start to come down. What about India and China? Mm. Yeah, I don't know what the, yeah. you know. Well, 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 China, well, China were trying to get on top of their population <laughs> by um, bloody only having male children. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, they said the pop the pl Japan twenty five years ago. He said their population has plateaued in the last twenty five years. Right. Um, for some reason, I can't quite recall it all. I was, I was just in awe. Um, but he said, if if women can stay in school longer and and sort of work more, then that's going to have a ripple effect. So all these tiny little things we can change. Farming. I mean, it's um, yeah. He said farming needs to change instead of mono farms this monoculture it needs to go to the permaculture yeah um so yeah lots of little things we can all do to to change so yeah all right let's keep let's go down memory lane nick we've already talked about metanoia and how i couldn't bloody pronounce it and we changed it to woke blokes yeah i've, I've got a few dot points here of sort of common themes that have, have popped up in all the episodes that we've done okay uh, um number two you know we, we did an early episode there's probably three points to this. We did an early episode on, on trolls after, you know, mm -hmm. what happened with Taylor Harris. And then we were lucky enough to have Taylor Harris on not too long ago as a guest. Mm -hmm. And also things that have popped up from time to time is uh, internet behavior in general, you know, and the mm -hmm. way that we, we speak to each other online. Have you watched The Social Dilemma yet? I haven't, no. Me, me neither. I haven't. The people, it's so funny. I have a couple of friends have watched it and they've, they've, they've stopped going on Facebook and everything like they're doing one day a week or whatever. And it's like, but now I'm noticing they're creeping back on more and more. And I, I, it's, it's like, and I said to one of them, I'm like, mate, you sound like one of those people who watched a vegan documentary and decided they're going to go vegan. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing David Attenborough said. We need to, to be a mainly plant-based diet because the amount of land it takes to farm meat is massive. So, Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? 
and also, you know, back to the internet stuff, I think that's what's coming up a lot is just that where we're more connected more via the internet, but we're so disconnected from human totally. to human interaction. And so, you know, we've likened it in the past to the, it's like road rage, you know, people get who are, might have anger issues, but they never really externalize it will come out on the road because there's a barrier. Like I'm in a big metal box and that person's over there in a big metal box and I'll yell at them and stick my finger up and yell when I wouldn't do that face to face because I have that safety barrier and the internet is like one giant safety barrier because I could be on the other side of the planet. I could have an anonymous name that I use for my Twitter or Facebook or whatever and I can start to uh, hang shit on people and you know you spoke about you know YouTube before like you can have the Dalai Lama just radiating love and people will just dislike it and it's true no matter what someone puts out into the world there's going to be people like if you want to go to a you know just just bathe yourself in negative energy just go read YouTube comments for two hours and see how you feel afterwards unless you watch the YouTube videos of um, singing teachers um, reactions to Maynard from Tool, yeah. <laughs> and it's just the Tool fans are the greatest. They just the, the comment sections in there are absolute gold. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But even so, you get like you know when Tool's new album came out, all the hardcore like fans yeah. that start, this is crap, you know, blah blah blah, and you know. But um, yeah, it's just it's an interesting time that we live in. It was so good to have Taylor on to actually talk about it from her perspective, and um, and and where this troll behaviour, how it's affecting people. Well, I think it's, uh, yeah, I mean, in dealing with my clients all the time, we talk about it seems so easy and so natural to go into that destructive thinking, that destructive, it's blaming, it's judging, it's criticising, condemning. And it's it's all, I think, a lot of it just comes down to the ego. It's me and what do I want? And as soon as the ego is bruised or hurt, then it gets very reactive and it starts hurting other egos around it so i, th I think it, uh, you know the root cause of it all is suffering again it's just people are in pain and they're making it about them and they they're in no position no capacity to to show empathy or compassion because they're in survival mode you know if, if you imagine 10 people all stuck in a rip they're all drowning individually they're in no position to help each other yeah they're, they're just keeping their head above water but as soon as one of them sort of swims out of it or stands up or, you know, climbs onto a log or whatever, then all of a sudden, oh, I'm okay. Now I'm in a position where I can start helping others. So emotionally, if we're stuck and struggling and going around in that destructive cycle, then, yeah, we're just going to be projecting more of that out there. 100%. And it's under, I think it's great to understand that, that all the people, whether it's YouTube comments or any other negative comments on platforms, it's just a whole bunch of people stuck in a rip. Um, in their mum's basement normally, <laughs> stuck, stuck in a rip in, the, in their own life metaphorically. And, well, they're, um, they're hating their job. So they're sitting in their office hating the job that they're in because they're in a relationship that, that should have been over years ago, but they're too afraid to let it go. Mm -hmm. So they're just they're miserable. They're, they're in despair. And so they're, they're looking for a distraction social media pull my phone out while i'm at my desk da, 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 da. oh well i'm gonna project my suffering into this they're not consciously going oh what a beautiful day i'm gonna have me some breakfast bacon and eggs and uh i'm gonna jump on facebook and where's ryan so what's ryan up to uh, i am just gonna bring this motherfucker down i'm gonna shoot yeah. arrows at him and because we all have a need for significance. That's one of our basic human needs. And I think when we feel very insignificant based on what you said, things happening in our life that we're not taking control of, then it's like I can get some sort of feeling of control or significance by bringing someone else down. But it's a temporary relief. It's a, it is. It's a quick fix. It's a, I'm going to feel better real quickly, real instantly. But long term, they're just going to actually, it's going to have a more harmful effect on them. Yeah, because you look back on those things and go, oh, I can't say that, like, fucking hell. <laughs> but it also conditions you, you know, those neurological pathways, uh, you're, you're deepening them, you're getting stuck in a rut, literally. Um, and so that becomes your norm. And all of a sudden, you just start focusing on the problems and looking for problems, looking for things to be wrong. Um, it's quite that some people have a problem for every solution. Yeah. You know, so uh, here's what we can do to save the planet. Nah, that's fucked. Nah, nah, that won't work. Why not? Because that nah, doesn't suit me. Oh, well, sorry. Yeah. 
world stopped revolving around you. Exactly. And, and a very closed mind, which is another topic that's come up on the podcast. You get a very closed mm. mind, and especially if you wake up in the day, just going, Oh, here we go. What's going to be, what's going to go wrong today. Then you'll find stuff that goes wrong because you've just primed your brain to look for what's wrong and you'll yeah. find it because there's as much going wrong as there is much going right. And once again, I mean, that's even a preference deciding what's wrong or right. Mm-hmm. It's all subjective. Um, yeah. It's yeah, it's a interesting thing just to watch how people's minds work and and which way they tend to sway. So yeah, yeah. All right. Next top point I've got is uh, someone's going to come up. Beliefs controlling our destiny. We just we bang on about beliefs nearly every week, Nick, don't we? I believe we do. Yes, I believe we do. <laughs> what are your What are your three amigos? Those three toxic beliefs. Remind everyone. I must be loved. I must get what I want and I must be perfect. So an extension of that is I must be loved. Uh, I must be a people pleaser. I can't do anything wrong or say anything wrong. You know, those are really tight parameters instead of living in the totality of everything where you're going to fuck up from time to time. Um, oh, I have to say the right thing and do the right thing. And if anyone says anything negative towards me, I'm going to get offended and take it personally and upset. Um, I must get what I want. That's just simply attached to a desired outcome. I wake up and I've got all these expectations of how the day should go and everyone around me and in my life and in my community must adhere to my expectations and I need all these boxes ticked, otherwise I'm going to get into bed very unhappy tonight. Um, It's just, it's irrational. It's it's all about me, the I. It all starts with I must. I must. It's rigid. It's concrete. Um, And... I must be perfect is sort of linked with I must be liked, but it's also everything must be perfect. So it must be utopia. It must be the top 10% in that 10, 80, 10. It just, life just must be a constant bliss and it's just not reality. So No, it's not. It's not. And, you know, that's for me, like I just chased that through drugs for a lot of my life. And it's funnily enough, the more, the more that you try and feel good, the more that the lower the lows are that come with that. Like you always will get that up and down, like talking about that 10, 80, 10 thing. And it's like, and the thing is, Pete, you said at the start, people are trying to avoid that bottom 10%. It's like, I don't want to be there, but that, that attitude right there of non-acceptance means that you won't really enjoy the top 10% either. Because then you're gonna then you're gonna cling to the top ten percent. Because when when you do feel that utopia and everything's great, you're glass grasping onto it with both hands, getting white knuckles, and you're looking around the corner for what's going to go but wrong. But that's an anxiety. You're holding on out of anxiety there, yeah. and so you are not in control of your emotions. Then, so you, you're giving your power away. You're giving the key to your happiness to X, Y, and Z um, instead of having that inherent happiness. And we we're talking to a client this morning about the ten eighty ten rule and. You know, you said I, I was I was chasing that. I think you said through drugs, yes. um, and it's that craving again. It's that I must have it. I need this, or the aversion. I don't want this. Um, and she said, "Yeah, but don't you need the contrast?" And I was just like, "Oh!" And <laughs> she said, "The lows are where you do all your learning, and then you can put what you learn into practice to achieve the highs." Yeah. And I was just like. Yeah. So this, this, that's, that's so, it's so very deep actually. That is, that's because, because we, we always need uh, a reference point. It's like, if I, if I was, and this is like why a lot of people believe the universe is God in inverted commas, trying to experience itself through many forms because a singularity, like a God, a starting point can't experience itself because it's not in relationship to anything else. So yeah. imagine, imagine that I'm the only thing in the entire universe, right? It's just, How would you know what you are? I, I wouldn't, right? <laughs> but then all of a sudden, Nick pops up and all of a sudden, um, you're like, and you're over there and I'm over here. Now, all of a sudden, because before I didn't know that I was here because there is no here because no. like there's nothing else I can be in relationship to. So I'm like, okay, if Nick's there, I'm here. Now I've got a sense of where I am. And then we can start to go, well, you're Nick and I'm Ryan. What does that mean? Well, that's just what I respond to when someone calls out. So I can start to start to know myself on some level. But if it's just me, I can't know myself. And that's why I believe with those higher states that we're chasing. So let's say I'm chasing ecstasy and bliss, right? If I'm sitting there the whole time and I have no reference point, it won't be ecstasy and bliss. I won't, it won't, it won't feel norm. good. It'll just be and normal. Yeah. 
And then you'll you'll desire even more because if yeah. you're chasing it and you attained it, then you're gonna get. And you listen to Ram Dass, um, I am nobody. Um, and he talks about it. he kept chasing these highs. He kept chasing this this state of consciousness instead of just living in reality. Yeah, and uh, this is I watched a a talk of Alan Watts talk about this in the ancient Greeks, you know, and the the really. The, the, the rich ones, you know, they had, they were just so affluent, you know, there was a lot of poverty, but they were so, they could have whatever the fuck they wanted. They didn't, the money, whatever. And, and they would go down this path of hedonism, which is just, you know, all the different drugs and alcohol and mm-hmm. women, you know, sleeping with 10 women at once and all of this stuff. And it's never enough. So then they eventually, and you see this in society now, it starts going to really weird stuff. So now mm-hmm. I can't find any pleasure in pleasure. So now I can only find some sort of pleasure or feel alive in pain and this is when they start raping and start having sacrifices and killing and doing all this just crazy weird shit because they're just there's no end point to that game it just ends up in more and more pain yeah it's a constant chase um but have a think about it we a physical being none of us get through our whole entire life without breaking a bone or getting a scratch or a cut or a bruise or anything yeah so on that physical sense we sort of have some level of acceptance that there's going to be pain. We're going to burn ourselves. That's going to, we're going to prick our finger on a rose thorn or whatever. And we don't get stuck in going, oh, that shouldn't have happened. I shouldn't be feeling this. We don't go into a cognitive distortion. But then on an emotional level, yeah. we, we get sad or we get upset or something happens. And, and instead of going, all right, well, this is just suffering. You know, the first of the noble truths in Buddhism to live to suffer. Pain is inevitable, but then people get stuck in it and compound it through using those cognitive yeah. distortions. And I shouldn't be feeling this way. What What do you mean by that? What What should you then be feeling? Oh, I should be happy. Why should you be happy? Where does I don't understand? It, it is, is yeah. No, that's I love that analogy. I love it. It's like you. Um, because whatever we, whatever we resist persists and this whole fighting of these emotions that we don't want to feel just means we get stuck in them more. We get more magnetized towards them. And it's like if I stub my toe, like I'm running down the hall and I smash my toe, my little toe Spirit on the bench. Fill my coffee, you know, but let's say I stub my toe. I sit there and I'll, I can accept. I'm like, it hurts. Like, oh, my little toe fucking hurts. But it hurts because I hit it on the fucking table, right? I don't sit there and go, I hit my foot on the table really hard and it shouldn't hurt. I'm like, no, it's, it should hurt. It sucks that it's hurting, but it should hurt. But with emotional stuff, you're right. We don't, people are, are very unconscious emotionally. So they don't see the cause and effect. They don't see what caused them to be sad so they can investigate it. They just end up sad and go, I shouldn't be feeling this way. You know, let's, let's try something to get away from it. Let's go, go somewhere else, have a drink or whatever it is when there's going to be some sort of cause and effect for the emotion. And sometimes we don't even need to investigate it. Like it's just acceptance again. It's yeah. just, this is how I'm feeling today. This is, you know, look at the 108010. Uh, t- today I wake up and I'm just in flow. I'm just killing it. Everything's knocking everything out of the park. That, that's just how I am today. Okay. And then tomorrow I wake up and I'm just a little bit more average. I'm in the 80%. That's okay. And then the next day I wake up and I'm in that low 10%. I'm sluggish and I'm just I'm fumbling and bumbling and, and that's just how I am today. Mm-hmm. And every day I wake up, my relationship is different. So that's that law of nature that everything is impermanent. And as soon as we try and fix something into place, as soon as we try and cement it because we love it and we're attached to experiencing more of it, then we just fuck it all up completely and create and compound even more suffering for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's that clinging, you know. It's even you find it in in meditation, you know, when you, you know, you might just dip into this space of of no mind, and you finally it's sort of what you, you know, it's it's a lovely state. It doesn't always happen, but then all of a sudden you go, oh god, this is fantastic. Oh yeah, this is that. This is enlightened. I think this is what those meditate. As soon as that <laughs> happens, you're out of it. <laughs> you just fucking got yourself out of it. Um, yeah, we're doing the online meditation. Um, membership at the moment so we're doing four live meditations I'm doing three and Deb's doing one so I'm doing on Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday at 6am the Tuesday is just food for thought so it's a bit of guided meditation I'm just planting some seeds of philosophy or whatever Wednesday is sitting in stillness and then Thursday is training the brain so the sitting in stillness seems to be um, the one people are getting the most out of 
because it's the most challenging. We have to sit without sit in stillness emotionally, trying to steal our emotions, but trying to steal our body as well. And it brings up all of these brings to the surface all of these sensations the body sends signals to the brain i am i am experiencing this i'm feeling this it's sore move me and when the person sits there and observes it and goes no this is this is not going to last forever i don't have to have an impulsive reactive movement here uh, they they step into this sense of empowerment and but then if they go oh god that felt amazing i want more of that then it's going to go away because they've got another attachment so it's really interesting to to sit there and, and to to do a meditation with people in which it brings so much to the surface we're not trying to be thoughtless we're not trying to disappear we're actually trying to just live in the reality of what is absolutely yeah well, one thing that i've been working through with this this lady the last few weeks is this this, this uh, open awareness. So it's an open awareness of everything that's happening, body, emotionally, you know, in our field, which is kind of just outside our body. And then whenever something comes up, our, our, our natural inclination, and for me, it's, it's a very strong inclination, is just your focus gets very narrow and you dive straight into whatever that disturbance mm. or pleasure or thing is. Mm. And so one of the big things for me is, yes, you can notice what's happening when something comes up, but you never lose focus of the whole. So that way you're not getting sucked into pleasures or pains or whatever it is that are coming up, um, which is, which is a practice. So that's, that to me, that's not going into binary thinking. It's not, it's not good or it's bad. It's not right or it's wrong. It's not positive. It's negative. And if it's any of the good stuff, the positive or the, the good or whatever, you're not getting drawn into that because of all, your connection with it you're just sitting back and observing that oh, that's that's how that is at that moment that's cool yeah because it's like there's a big container and then that little bit of the container gets noticed but you're still holding that mm. big container in your awareness instead of just jumping in and because if i you know a bit of sadness comes up and you this is what we do it's magnetizing yeah if sadness comes up we just get our consciousness is drawn into it and then we're kind of saturated in sadness yeah and this is why i think this this method of being able to sit back means we're able to i just think tolerate and tolerate more and more discomfort because that's where we get into so much trouble we get we're, we're so stewing in this stuff that we go i can't fucking handle this i need to do something to escape and we just start going to coping mechanisms i love you oh nick I love you too. Just the way that you put that then, it was, it was fantastic because it was tolerance is the key. We've become such an intolerant society. We can't tolerate pain. We can't tolerate not feeling well. We can't tolerate when things don't go our way. We can't tolerate when our relationship, when we don't feel connected with our partners. We can't tolerate when people cut in in front of us or when we have to go less than 60 kilometres an hour because of roadworks or whatever. We are, we are so intolerant and when we can and tolerance is a skill so you have to train yourself to do it which is what you're doing which is what i'm doing with people in meditation tolerate that discomfort accept that it's there it's if you if you don't then you're not living within reality and you, you're going to struggle so which is not only good individually because you can tolerate more and more but then also collectively the more you can tolerate and like you said, there's so much people that are offended by everything and hate hearing someone that completely conflicts with their uh, ideas of the world. And it's like when you get two people who can tolerate this stuff, you can have two people with opposing views that get together and, and talk and create new views and you know, don't get offended by each other. They can tolerate each other's opinion and can actually talk about things. And right now it's very hard not for people to dip into hate and resentment and wanting to fight back and you know i think it was voltaire that said i i disagree wholeheartedly with what you say but i'll defend to my death your right to say it mm. and that but that's you hear the lack of ego in there it's not just about him and what he thinks and what he believes and trying to impose and enforce that it's uh yeah let's let's just uh, it's being tolerant for difference and this is why wars exist and racism and sexism and that because once again, for some reason, by nature, uh, humans don't seem to like it when things are different to them. Mm. And so they'll, they'll go into a fear. And when they go into a fear, they need to protect themselves. So they get angry or violent. And they'll push it away. They'll suppress it. They'll, no, don't leave the kitchen, woman. You're, you're too different to me. And it's, it's just, 
And also, yeah. we love, we've got this in, ingrained thing that we love tribe as well. And you see, like, every, I'm not big into politics, but, you know, what I do know is that every country over the history that's adopted dem a democracy finds that it starts off with many different parties that can be elected, and it always narrows down to there's a main two, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Democrats, Republicans, Labor, Liberal, whichever, you know, the thing is, it always kind of comes down to these two, and then we get caught up in saying, you know, like if in America, like I'm a Republican, then you'll disagree with everything the Democrats say, but it's like, hang on, maybe some of what they say is really good. Can't I agree with some stuff over here and some of their stuff over there? And, and people are like, no, because there's us and them. And that's what we keep getting back to. It's this, this tribalistic us versus them mentality, which we need to transcend. And we can't, we get that closed mind. And as soon as our mind closes, then we're just not open to absorbing anything new or even being curious and we, we stop having a curious mind what you said earlier about you know you wake up and start looking for the negatives what's going to go wrong today i had to train myself proactively in train waking up and going i wonder what today's going to bring because mm. all of a sudden my first thing was to open my mind before i opened my curtains or my blinds i'd open my mind and i, yeah. I wonder what today's going to bring and it's and it put me in this space of curiosity where i could just explore and experiment and and wonder and oh how yeah. interesting and look at that and that's curious and that's and that's i feel like a lot of people and me myself as well go through this evolution where things are unconscious and you tend to wake up going, oh, fuck, here's another day. What's going to go wrong? And then you start getting into like positive thinking and everything. So then you wake up and you go, today's going to be great. Today's going to be fantastic, right? Which which, which is, once again, it's setting up an expectation. That's a binary thinking. Binary, yeah. So you go from one end of the pendulum to the other <laughs> to eventually what you're saying is, I wonder what today will bring. Because then it just doesn't matter. Good, bad, indifferent. I wonder what will happen. It'll be interesting. I had a chat with a client yesterday as a farmer uh, and an agriculturalist and everything. We spoke about the weather and we've, we've spoken about this before and how the weather determines to such a degree whether someone's happy or sad. And he said, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's all about the, you know, if it rains though too much, then it affects the bottom dollar. And I'm like, yeah, but it's all about that's that, that deficiency. I don't have enough. I need a bigger bottom dollar. I need a bottom line. I need, I need more. I need more money. Whereas like, when's enough enough? When are you going to be content? That's, that's the definition of happiness. When are you going to be content with what you have and just, just plow one field and get enough food for you and your family? When, when's that going to be enough again? So it's that's a really yeah, good content. question for people to ask. I think when are you going to be content? That's that's a powerful question to think about. Yeah, really, because I, I used to think, you know, like I, you know, right now, like even back when we were in Melbourne, like expenses are like so low. I remember back ten years ago, and I was making a lot of money as a tradie and everything, and I was always just short on money because i was consuming 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 mm. and i was just like i gotta make more money gotta do more cashies on the weekend and didn't realize that i could live off about a quarter of the amount that i was making <laughs> and be perfectly content <laughs> yeah but there's that let's say i don't have enough it's that deficiency yeah. that we keep coming back to yeah i don't have it's enough a, i need a void more, i have more, a hole more well you already covered the next two uh and maybe even the next three dot points I had, Nick, the ones I had after beliefs were moving with the flow of life, mm. which is we covered that, which is once again, just not getting caught up in the good or the bad, but just what is life presenting us in this moment and moving with that. And I know you yeah, mentioned well, uh, the, the eight, the eight uh, master lessons of nature, which I haven't read yet, but a book that you've shouted out a couple of times. Yeah. And I think going with the flow of life is, is that concept again of surrendering, um, so many of us operate under a, a mindset of I have to, and it's that fixed, it's rigid, it's, it's that I have to, I have to, I have to. It's, you can hear the anxiety in it. It's I have to, the, the stress, the tension. It's I have to do this because if I don't do it, then it's a bad day or it's fucked or I'm an idiot or oh, I haven't done enough again. Um, so this, this concept of surrendering and just, yeah, uh, just let it be, let it go, let it, just observe it for a bit and, and watch that if you don't do it, the world's not going to end, you know, it'll, it'll have a ripple effect, but it's, it's still manageable. It's, yeah. you can adapt, you can shift the goalposts, you can change your priorities. It's, it's that flexibility comes into play and all of a sudden we're a bit looser and we're, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. And it's that finding that line tolerance. Once again, it's, it's getting it into balance. Everything needs to be in balance. If you are too tolerant, 
then you're going to put up with things. You're not going to have boundaries. People are going to run over you. People are going to walk up and punch you in the street. And you go, oh, thank you, sir. Have a lovely day. That's, that's very kind of you. You know, we, we're going to stay in jobs we don't like. We're going to stay in relationships that are unhealthy for us. So tolerance is this, but surrendering is, is once again, in balance. So go with the flow, but um, you do so with a sense of, uh, I don't know, it's like surfing a wave. Remember, remember those... Um, in the playgrounds, they had the seesaws, the wooden planks. Mm-hmm. And if you're to, if you're there by yourself and you're at one end, it's no fun because you, <laughs> you don't go anywhere. And if you run up the other end, it'll go bang and it'll crash and you'll end up down the other end. And that's equally is no fun. But it, when you go back into the middle and both ends lift off the ground and you find that balance, all of a sudden you can start having some fun with it. You're like, whoa. And... I don't know. I just think we need to be more playful in life like that as well. So find that balance, have the fun. Don't go too towards one end of the spectrum, not towards the other. Don't be too rigid, but don't be too nothing. Just mm-hmm. just find that middle ground. Yeah, yeah. Tommy's been a great teacher for me with this because my, my uh, inclination is to be very structured and rigid. Um, that's just sort of how, what I, how I developed. And so he's been a great teacher for me because you can never – you know, you'll have in your mind, oh, this is your schedule today and you'll nap at this time and we'll do this. And all of a sudden he's like, hey, I'm napping two hours earlier today. And you just like, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, because so it's hard for me. Teaching you to go at another pace other yes. than Ryan's pace. Exactly, exactly. And then there'll be some days where, he, you know, he, um, for whatever reason, he's going through some development <laughs> stuff, getting teeth, and he just needs much, much more, you know, attention and that kind of thing. And, you know, you just have to let go of yeah, those ideas that this is exactly how my day was going to run. Because what happens if you, what I found is if you fight against that, it's just such a lose, lose situation because you get to the end of the day and you're like, Oh, I didn't get, you know, ABC and D done today, but also I wasn't present with my boy because I was thinking Mm. about ABC and D. Mm -hmm. Whereas you can just go, oh, today this is what's required. I can let go of being through any work whatsoever and be present for him and it's a win-win. Oh, you didn't get A, B and C done, but you got D, E and F done. Yeah. You didn't plan to do. So, but if you just focus on what you didn't do, if you disqualify the positives and just focus on what you perceive to be the negatives, it's going to be a bad day. But once again, it's, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. So it's been a great teacher for me. Uh, the next one we've already kind of covered. I had we're not perfect and we're going to die. <laughs> we did. We did do a full episode on on the hour of permanence and death. In a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> um, just uh, I think that that seesaw that I was talking about is the ten eighty ten as well. One end of the seesaw is ten, the other end is ten, and eighty is in the middle. So that balance is that living in the middle. So, you know, waking up with Tommy, this is what I have planned today. Yeah, you'll get some of it done. You may not get all of it done, but that's still enough. And yeah. and it gives you the freedom to allow other things to come into your life that you may not have even known. And and that's that living in flow. It's I had no idea that this was going to happen today, but in it comes and I'm present to be with it. That's awesome. That's yeah, cool. and and this is less. Uh, once again, this comes back to yeah, closed closed mind and that as well. Um, I had an example of this yesterday, and um, you know, I had to take Tommy out. He just wasn't having a bar of it, and he loves the the scooter. So I'm just like, oh well, forget, doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'll, I'll take him out. And we went out on the scooter, and then went to a place uh, near here to a cafe, and then you end up um, bumping into this Aussie dude from Sydney, and I was chatting to him for like you know, half an hour or so. And he was, um, anyway, a businessman and we're able to exchange details and everything. And it's like, if you have that closed mind, you could kind of got your blinkers on. And I might've even, even if I went to that cafe, I wouldn't have even struck up a conversation because I'm too busy going, Oh, I wanted to get this done and that done and blah, blah, blah. Whereas if you let, and it's one of the things I've learned so much. If you just let life happen, you'll be okay. <laughs> like we're, we're pretty we're pretty taken care of even during these tough times and i know people are struggling a lot but like we're pretty well taken care of yeah we don't we, we don't need a lot to be okay we tend to catastrophize though and go oh yeah. it's the worst because i think i need this and it's that survival mechanism kicks in and yeah yeah you're right i love it i used to be a ripper at catastrophizing I, I would, sure? I would, oh mate, I would have a bad couple of hours and then in my head I'd be like, my whole life's been a disaster. Like my whole life has been so negative. <laughs> like I used to do it every, every, all the time. You could have a bad few moments and I would all of a sudden decide my whole life's been a failure, which, which is disqualifying. 
power just went off. Oh, the old lost power routine. I, I think it'll still be okay. I think it'll still record. So we'll just pick up where we left off and I'll cut this bit out. All right, all right, all right. Because um, like, that happened on some other another episode and it was still, it was okay. Cool. Um, so you were saying... What was, what was I saying? You uh, had this thing and you were in the thing and... Yeah, yeah. So, so this, just, just that moving with, with life because too many people uh, have their blinkers oh, you're catastrophizing. On. Oh, catastrophizing. That's right. You used to be really good at catastrophizing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was just, you know, to ha- have a bad hour and that turned into a bad life. And like mm. we can and you convince yourself of that because it's like you put the um, instead of the beer goggles, the fear goggles, and um, you start to look back at your whole life and whatever state you're in right then. You tend to look at your past through that lens or that filter, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, my life's been terrible." And um, <laughs> a lot of people find themselves doing that. I think. Well, uh, yeah. Imagine what my mind was up to when I couldn't leave my house. Like when it was that agoraphobia was kicking in. It was the worst case of everything it was everything's fucked it's all so afraid my mind just went yep nope shutting you down staying in your comfort zone protecting you nice and nice and safe in here not going out there everything is bad everything is bad yeah (laughs) it's so irrational so very irrational but we get caught up in it, you know. And what about our guests? I just, I just put one of the dot pointers, guests, and I, I thought, mm. think that it's been great having people on and hearing their stories. And I know from chatting to them and even from all the people that, you know, had come through the centre and everything, one thing that I love is that we all have, we all have just such a, a unique story, but it all runs through a very common theme. You know, like I love, I love hearing everyone's story that they've gone through this, this struggle and now based on that struggle and, and re- using that as an opportunity to grow and work and, and that kind of thing, they're then giving back in some capacity. You know, mm. some people have, are giving back and being advocates for mental health. Some people are being practitioners. Some people are just giving back to their own children or their community. And um, it's really beautiful to see, you know, the people that we've had on, whether they've been clients or otherwise, go through that uh, or be, go through or be in the process of that, that hero's journey. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, probably because it's recent. But a standout for me was Matt Pitt, mm-hmm. um, and you know him talking about his story, and that was, I mean, geez, we both uh, we both teared up over that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Taylor was great. Big Gussie Warland was awesome. Matt Runnels, I mean, yeah, all of my clients that have come on. Um, oh, the boys from We Are All One Story. Um, yeah. Oh, it's funny enough. We are all one story because <laughs> that's what they're doing. You know, they're going around the US and, and, and filming people and their story and realizing that we've all got a story to tell and all of our stories are very valid. Totally. Well, our, our stories are, are our life, really. Like yeah. it's, they're all of our collective experiences and, once again, if, if, we, if we have an aversion to having a bad chapter in that life, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to create a bad chapter um, if, if we just get an attachment to wanting all... Well, know, it might create a few bad chapters instead of just yeah, one. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but then if we, if we want it all to be roses, it's, it's, as you said before, it's just going to turn beige because there's going to be no contrast to, to give it colour and to give it vibrancy. So... Um, if I could sum up, if someone said to me, what's the Woke Bloke podcast all about? What's the what's the meaning? What's the value? What are you trying to do with it? I'd, my answer at the moment would be to try and help people into an understanding, just to, just to experience things as they are without wishing they were different and just being – because if you can, as Matt spoke about, open the front door and open the back door. You know, start the chapter, but then let the chapter end. Don't, don't keep the back door shut because it's it's just going to go around in circles. It's going to elongate that chapter longer than it's necessary. It's going you're going to be in that unnecessary suffering. Absolutely. What would you say? What would you say the podcast is for? Um, I think that it that we're creating, trying to create an awareness around that it's okay to talk about this stuff. Like it's okay to talk about mental health, to talk about mental health issues, to talk about being mentally fit, to talk about suicide. I mean, we did a whole podcast on suicide. And, um, you know, I think for us, 
it comes very naturally because we've had a history of it and now it's what we do for a living. And it's not until, you know, you speak to other people and like, wow, you speak about this stuff so openly. It doesn't feel open to us. This is how we talk. Like if we got the, if we're not recording a podcast, this is still the stuff that we talk about. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So Come it's like, have a beer with us, everyone. <laughs> so I think, um, <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, we're, we're trying to just give permission to, you know, not just guys, girls as well to just, just be more open and vulnerable and talk about this stuff. Cause so many people are suffering and like you say, suffering unnecessarily, but they're also doing it in silence. Mm. You know, they're keeping so many things in and keeping so many things to themselves and not opening up to friends, family, partners, professionals, whoever they need to open up. to. We did that whole podcast on shame, which was great mm. as well. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, we have to start being more logical. That's I think that's what it boils down to. It just it doesn't make sense to wake up and go, it's a shit day because it's raining. Like mm. it's just it doesn't make sense to go, oh, I I am an idiot. Like you're not an idiot. It, it doesn't make sense to go, oh, I'm not talking about how I feel because I've got this fear of mental health. Like if if you have a body, you have physical I had that client this morning he said her, she really wants her sister to come and see me. And she sort of started planting some seeds and her sister goes, nah, nah, I don't need that. <laughs> I laughed and I was like, go and draw those three interlocking circles of mental, physical and nutritional health. And because she goes, and, and she, she's really into self-care. And I was like, no, she's not. She's into aspects of self-care or what she mm-hmm. thinks self-care is. But all she does is go to the gym and eat well. Mm-hmm. And so she's looking after her physical health and how she fuels her body. But she's neglecting the big old M in the top circle there, the mental health, because she just doesn't understand it. And so the source of all suffering is attachment and it's ignorance. And ignorance is the biggest killer of men, I think, between the age of 25 and 45, because they just don't understand that we have we have we have mental health we we have a mind that needs looking after we have a really fucked up mind by nature that goes into all these distortions it gets bent out of shape and our health is out of shape and there is a lot that we can do to straighten it back out and to get it into shape and it's not that hard it's it's logical and it's rational and it's it's a bit uncomfortable but it's um, when you get your head around it, when you dip your toe in it, you actually go, oh, the, the water's actually kind of nice. Wow, that was my, my last point here was get out of your comfort zone and live life. And I think that's what we have to do. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there who have just gradually, you know, slipped into this rut or into this depression and it's happened over months or, or years of not looking after their mental health. And the analogy we've used in the show quite a bit is tending to that garden. And there's this garden out the back called our mental health and we've just let it let it go wild for decades and we open that back door and we see all the weeds and the, the bushes and it's an absolute mess and we're like shut the fucking door i don't want to look at that but um <laughs> we, we've got to get out there and start to tend to that stuff and that mean that first means opening up because people you know and we spoke about you know suicide people who take their life they just they do it in isolation they just haven't opened up for so long that they wake up one day one day and go i can't handle this more and there's there's no way out but the truth is there is a way out but it's going to take getting out in that garden and and having someone maybe metaphorically hold your hand to start to tend to that thing so we can get it back in shape we've got more than one garden i think we've got a heart garden we've got a spirit garden we've got a soul garden we've got all these gardens and if, if we don't tend to ourselves and 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 look after our well-being and, and be in wellness uh if we are not well mentally physically spiritually etc then we're, we're not going to be a great parent we're not going to be a great partner we're not going to be a great friend because we're going to be in that survival mode we're going to we're going to find ourselves in a rip so yeah so yeah. Like we have we have we have the garden like the the front garden the two side gardens in the back i think the mental emotional ones out the back because that's the one mm-hmm. we don't like to to see mm-hmm. very often and the front garden might be that physical and nutritional one because my god i've worked with people who are you know like fitness professionals or people who've done fitness shows and, and like women who are just 
in, in incredible shape, like so amazing. And I find that the more uh, they're in shape and the more beautiful a woman is, the more stories in their head of deficiency come up around I'm unattractive, <laughs> I'm ugly. And it's like people look at them as, as role models and I'm like, just you're looking at it, the outside thing as a role model. Um, but what's, what's making someone oftentimes uh, put that much work into their physical health is, is a story of deficiency inside their, inside their mental health. Yeah, it's, it's, it comes back. It's not in balance. You know, so many, they're, they're too far up one end of the spectrum. Yeah. So it's, let's lift the bonnet and have a look what's underneath and usually we'll find that there's a sense of lacking in there. It's like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Um, whatever. So. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. mate. Well, well, that's, I, I think that's why, we, that's why we created the MindFit motto is discomfort precedes success because it really does take opening the back door and looking at the garden and not going into that judgment or the criticism or condemning, not finding a too hard basket, not going to an anxiety or fear or even an anger that it's like this, but just sitting there and observing that this is my garden and this is the state of it. And it's not good. It's not bad. It's not right or not wrong. It's just, it's not healthy at the moment. It's not sustainable. What I'm doing isn't, isn't creating a sustainable garden. So I'm just going to, little bit by little bit start getting out there and spending some time in it and lo and behold when you spend invest a bit of time and energy into something you start getting a return on that investment but even even just saying it this is my garden all of a sudden if it's your garden you can do something about it and like you said whether whether you want to attack that with the weed whacker straight away or just bit by bit if it's your garden you've got some sort of control and a lot of people feel like their you know life happens to them you know, life's happened to me and all of a sudden I've woken up and I'm 40 and I'm drinking every day and I'm depressed and I'm thinking about killing myself and life's done that to me, you know, but at least if we can say, oh, I've got mental health, I've got emotional health, I've got a garden out the back, at least I can then do something about it. I've got a sign up on my wall that says, life doesn't happen to you, you happen to life. And um, yeah, it's, it, it all starts with taking ownership. It's, this is this is my story. It's my life. It's my experience. I've got to get back in the driver's seat and stop outsourcing my happiness and letting the state of the world or the state of the weather or the words that everyone is using affect me and and push me around. I have to I have to find my own garden and stay grounded within it. And exactly. When we when we do that, then things happen. <laughs> Things happen. Good things happen. Mm. Uh, we, we can accept more. So, yeah, no, it's been a pleasure, Nico, for these 45 episodes. I look forward to many more, many more chats with you, many more guests on. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for the next the next few, you know. Sorry, you just froze then for a minute. <laughs> no, I'm just sitting in stillness. That was, so, that was <laughs> the most stillness I've ever seen someone sitting. <laughs> It's called the it's called the Zoom lag stillness. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate you, you know that, and and thank you for for spending over forty hours chatting with me and and guests and and create, co-creating something that we can give to the world without wanting anything in return. It's it's um, uh, I feel this is really an act of service um, that I love doing, and I, you know. On, on some selfish level, I do get a lot out of it and I love spending time with you, but I love giving this to, to people and, and knowing that to some degree it's helping some people. So um, couldn't do it without you, buddy. Love you, mate. And I love everyone that's listening. Thank you Loving all for tuning all. in. Uh, yeah, we'll see you all next week. Ciao. Peace. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.